Hello and welcome to Baskets Bubble, the podcast about the NBA and life inside the Walt Disney World bubble. I am Matthew and I am joined as always by my beloved co-host Bodie. Bodie, how are you doing on this lovely Sunday evening? A lot better than Novak Djokovic. How are you, Oh my gosh. You're actually doing much better than the linesman. (laughs) <laughs> who took, oh yes! Took the ball yes, off the off the throat. Oh mercy! Yeah, that was a random Twitter thing to see today. Uh, I I didn't know that was a rule. I didn't either. I got the New York Times notification on my phone, and it just said he's been uh, he's been eliminated from the game. And I thought, man, that's all it takes in tennis. Apparently so. And it's according, a sport. Well, according to the New York Times, someone was quoted as saying people have been defaulted or you know suspended from a match for less. So there's the okay. There's the yeah. joke. What's his name? <laughs> Novak Djokovic. Yeah. Novak Djokovic. Not to be confused with Nikola Jokic. Same country. Mm. Maybe Serbia. Yeah. They both from Serbia. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay. There you go. Full circle. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, after that lovely uh, aside, which I'm 100% keeping in, we are going to start with the news. So over the last few weeks, we have seen a lot happening in the offseason world for these NBA teams who are not currently in the playoffs. And a lot of the things that have been happening are all basically the same thing. We are seeing a lot of coaches being asked to no longer coach some NBA teams. So we have had vacancies at the Chicago Bulls, the Indiana Pacers, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, and the New York Knicks all have said goodbye to their coaches from the 2019-2020 season. So far, the only vacancies that have been filled were Tom Thibodeau, who is now with the New York Knicks, And just announced this week with the Brooklyn Nets, we got a pretty surprising selection with Steve Nash. Bodie, uh, what are your thoughts on Steve Nash getting to fill this position in Brooklyn? Very surprising. No, I I don't know how many people even had an idea this could happen. He's qualified. He's definitely qualified from from his playing career and working for the Canadian national team, coaching the Warriors. The guy knows his stuff. He has good relationships in the league. It's just, it's wild when something can happen that completely takes the league by surprise. Yeah, there were a lot of names being thrown out in Brooklyn, including Jason Kidd and Ty Lue. And I think it surprised a lot of folks that they decided to go with Steve Nash. One of the things that I saw on Twitter was, someone was having a hard time imagining Steve Nash wearing a suit on the sidelines. And I seem to picture him more appropriately looking like a Premier League coach in like a very, very well-fitted suit. Um, That's the kind of the image that I get with Steve Nash. But Skinny uh, black tie. A hundred percent. Yeah. I don't have a hard time imagining him well-dressed. If anything, I think he has the potential to be the most well-dressed coach in the NBA. Well, with the haircut that he's gone to the last few years, he's, yeah, he's going to be in the running for most stylish if we keep the suits, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Yes, absolutely. When we look at these vacancies that are still out there, Bodie, we've got the Bulls, the Pacers, the Pelicans, the 76ers. Which of these do we expect to get filled most quickly? 
And who do you think is going to be kind of the the last duck in the row here to to find a coach to fill that position? I would imagine you would see the Philly job get filled first because it's the most pressure position. It's the most high profile one. They're going to want to, I would imagine they would want to make, make news, get the sour taste of the season out of everybody's mouth and look, look ahead to the future, which is why Ty Lu is such a possibility there because of his championship pedigree, his relationship with players, but it's Philly and they never do normal things. It seems like nothing is traditional in the 76ers world of late. Yeah. So no idea what Philly, what Philly is going to do other than an educated guess. The rest of them, the Pelicans is, uh, that's a highly coveted job because of Zion. It wouldn't be bad for them to slow foot this a little bit and look out all their options. The Pacers are a methodical team in like every aspect. So, and, but how many coaches are going to want to work for that organization after what just happened with Nate McMillan? Yeah, that seemed to be a bit of a surprise from the way that I was reading the tea leaves is most people did not expect Nate McMillan to be let go as quickly as he was. He had just signed an extension, which seemed to quell a lot of the rumors that were going back when the actual season was happening. But yeah, it, it, apparently it didn't mean anything because they they canned him very soon after they lost. The real question here, Bodie, is are we going to see Jeff Van Gundy leave the media row and go suit up, literally, with one of these teams? I hope so, but I don't know out of these teams where he would go. The Philly job is very desirable because of the talent there. It is very undesirable because of how poor that talent fits together and all the drama. He did a great job coaching the U.S. National B squad, basically, which was made up of a bunch of G League players back qualifying for the World Cup. Uh, So he can teach and coach young players, but does he want to do that at the NBA level is a question I don't know. The last time Jeff Van Gundy coached an NBA team was the Houston Rockets in 2007. So we're looking at over a decade of not coaching at this level. Granted, he has coached at the Olympic level and the FIBA level, but not at the NBA level. Yeah, and apparently that doesn't stop <laughs> doesn't stop executives from wanting to hire these guys. Steve I mean, Nash. Mark Jackson's <laughs> yeah, Steve Nash. When Steve Kerr got his job, he came out of the booth. Van Gundy's been in rumors for years. Mark Jackson got the Warriors job, got fired, and now he's back in the news for more positions. Something about being on TV is if your name's out there, people think people think of you. Yeah, it certainly raises your profile, that's for sure. Yeah, and I like how we've said nothing about the Bulls because we just don't know and I don't know how much Yeah, I'd, people really care. What do they have going for them? Who's playing for the Bulls these days even? They have Markinen, their young Finnish big man, very good talent. They have Zach Levine. They have good young players. It's 
just the the front office has been weird for really decades. If you go back and watch the last dance and listen to all that stuff, it's just been a weird, a weird place for a long time now. And the best case scenario right now for them really just seems like mediocrity. They don't have a path right now to top-notch contender, it doesn't feel like. I'm going to make a very, very bold prediction that 100% is not going to happen. But just out of the sheer joy that it would bring the six Arkansans who listen to this podcast with Daniel Gafford on the team, I'm going to make the push that friend of the pod, Ronnie Brewer, becomes the new head coach for the Chicago Bulls. Is that some inside knowledge that you have? Absolutely not. news here? Absolutely okay. not. Right. It's just sheer optimism for a team that could really use some interesting news. I think that we may not have seen the last head coach be fired for this year as well. Depending on different scenarios that could play out in these playoffs, there I'm not going to name names because that's not that's not fair and it's speculation, but there are at least three jobs that I can think of that could open up if those teams lose quickly. We are recording just after the Bucks Heat game and right before the Lakers Rockets game on Sunday evening. Just watched a nail biter that went into overtime. The Milwaukee Bucks staved off the Miami Heat to stay in this uh, series three games to one. Uh, about halfway through the second quarter, uh, Milwaukee Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, rolled his ankle and sat out the remainder of the game. And Chris Middleton really put this team on his back and showed us the player that we all thought he might be able to be, but really hasn't done in this series. And so um, as disappointing as it was to see the loss of Giannis, I think it really showed a lot of these Bucks players that they needed to step up. And for the most part, they seem to do so. Bodie, what's been your thoughts so far with this series? Wow, Miami is good. We thought they could be. There was hope that they would be. They just had that attitude and demeanor to them. And it was the template that was like, yeah, they could be that team. And then they went out and did it. Except for today's hiccup, which I'm just... Unless Milwaukee comes back and wins this wins the series, I'm just gonna write I'm gonna write today off as just one of those things. Miami's been the most impressive team and in the playoffs. They they're so tough, but there's so much talent. They are deep and so many guys on this team can make plays, they can shoot, everybody plays defense. It, it's it, yeah, it's just impressive. They're, they're like I said, they're just good. I heard the guys on the ringer talk about if you were to just lay out the Milwaukee Bucks roster and the Miami Heat roster, and you were just to you know pickup style choose one player, you know go that way. They were saying that you would be once you picked Giannis one, obviously Jimmy Butler would probably be two. That your next three, four, five, six, seven picks are all probably going to be 
Miami Heat guys. And I think Chris Middleton has pushed back a little bit against that after tonight's performance. But uh, prior to this, they, they just looked really flat. They came in and people were just talking time and time again, how are you going to stop Giannis? How are you going to stop this team from just rolling you over? And the Miami Heat just said, we'll stop Giannis. And that's what they've done. And nobody else from this Bucks team has put in the work to be a support system to him. And you're seeing that on the floor on a every other night basis. For the second straight year, we've seen Giannis get stuffed in the playoffs. And this isn't an indictment on him. He's still young. He's every player, every great player has to go through that moment where the league just tells him, you're not ready yet. You're you're not ready. You have to overcome this. And it usually takes multiple years for a player to get over that hurdle. And last year he ran into the Raptors and Kawhi. This year he's run into the Bucks with their plethora of players. These well-coached teams with guys who are smart and talented and tenacious. And he he hasn't developed the counter to what they're doing to him. And his team, while being very good, and Chris Middleton's an all-star. He's a he's a legit all-star. His team has not been able to provide the help that he needs when he can't do it all himself. The other series on the East we're seeing between the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics. Game one was uh, a bit of a blowout. Boston never really relinquished the lead and looked great. And a lot of Boston Celtics fans were saying Gordon Hayward who? Felt like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and that team was looking great. Kimball Walker is finally showing us the playoff player that he has been dying to be for his entire career and now gets to be. Game two was a much closer game. Celtics came out on top again. And I think a lot of Boston fans were getting a little ahead of themselves, speaking from a personal perspective. They were 6-0 and in the playoffs so far, looking strong, feeling good. We get to game three. Game three, see a few hiccups. Uh, nothing terribly concerning. Toronto finally was starting to turn it on. Looked great. And with 0.5 seconds left in the game, Kyle Lowry makes a cross-court pass over, as Kyle Lowry put it, the 7-foot, 12-inch tall taco fall to the opposite corner to O.G. Ananobi, who catches it in perfect position to immediately throw up the three to put them ahead to win. And I think that really bursted the bubble that... Boston had for that series and they could not hit a shot to save their lives in game four. They were, I I saw the statistic, they shot uh, 17% from three point line with Brown and Tatum and Walker and Smart. They just looked flat, Bodie. Every week, it seems like Toronto gets disrespected all year, all year. They lose Kawhi, and people think, ah, oh, they can't do anything. They come out hot to start the year. They play well all year, and everybody thinks 
it's a it's a good story. The defending champs are doing they're, they're doing their thing. They're fighting. They're plucking along. And then at some point we decided, no, they're title contenders. Then they go down 2-0 and it's like, well, Boston's built to beat this team. Toronto can't Toronto can't score against them. And now we're tied 2-2. And if Toronto wins this series, nobody would be surprised. If Toronto goes to the finals now, nobody would be surprised. This is just what the team has done all year long. And yeah, but it, it, it's a fight now. And either team can take this. It's a bunch of great players who have been in these moments. Even Boston with all their young guys, they have been in these moments. These last three games, if it goes the full seven, it's going to be a lot of fun. I feel like this series, uh, when we look at it, is similar to the Jazz Nuggets series in so much that it's very much like a, a basketball nerds series. This is certainly one of the best coached series that we're seeing in the playoffs so far. Nick Nurse, who is the NBA coach of the year, Brad Stevens, who is well touted for his intellect and his ability to take whatever is thrown at him and really pick it apart. This has been a really fun series to watch these two coaches playing chess in a lot of ways, finding who their rook is, who is their bishop, and really moving across the court and finding ways to take players like uh, Rob Williams, who has not seen a lot of the court prior to this series, and finding ways to implement his abilities to be a great shot blocker and rebounder and down low presence to really retort Mark Gasol in the post here, finding ways to keep Ennis Cantor on the bench as much as humanly possible uh, <laughs> because he is such a liability on the defensive end. And on the opposite side, we're seeing players like OG Ananobi and Granted, Pascal Siakam is an all-star, but we're really seeing these players find their ways to really pick apart the other side and really elevate their games in ways that only coaches like Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens would be able to pull out of players like these. A playoff series is a long, evolving organism. It changes all the time. You were right. We saw that Denver-Utah. And we're seeing that here, except I think on a higher level, because I like Quinn Snyder and Mike Malone has had his good times, but I nurse and Stevens are two of the best coaches in the league. And the Raptors have won titles. The Celtics have guys who have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. They, and they know each other so well. They play each other a lot during the season. It's all going to come down to just who executes more because every play, the other team is going to know what you're running, what you're trying to do, what your defensive scheme is going to be. Nothing's going to take anybody by surprise in these last two to three games. It's just going to be who makes the play. I want you to make a prediction here. Do you think that the winner of this series, Toronto or Boston, has the best chance of making it to the finals? My gut says yes. I don't know totally why, but my gut says yes. I just wonder if the Heat can really sustain what they're doing. And it's not because they're not a good team. They're a great team. I've been very intrigued by what the Heat have done so far in the playoffs here. And 
I worry that that they can't that they can't keep that up. That Jimmy Butler certainly can, and I think he would be the first to tell you that he is locked in. And I don't know if we'll see that from Dragic. I don't know if we'll continue to see that consistency from Adebayo and Hero and Robinson and all of these young guys who don't have a ton of playoff experience. I don't know that we're going to be able to see that consistency from the Heat. But maybe I'll be wrong. That No, that's a fair point. That's exactly what I was thinking as you started to say that. We haven't seen this team do it. We haven't seen Butler do it a lot and he's their he's their leader Dragic hasn't been in these situations in years and years the last time I can think of him in a big playoff spot was 10 years ago they have Iguodala but he doesn't play a lot they're relying on a lot of young players it's really Spolstra and Butler that is what we think of when we think of playoff moments for this team and that's a lot less than Toronto and Boston. Let's move over to the the West. We have seen one game so far of Lakers and Rockets. They're playing in just a couple hours after we record here. Um, the Rockets are up one game to nothing. Bodie, one of the very first times that we were talking about the Rockets and their ability to make it through the playoffs, the thing that you said that keeps sticking out to me is that the Rockets are betting on the fact that they're first five or six guys are going to be better than the other team's seven, eight, ninth best player because they are assuming that the other team is going to be trying to match them size-wise. We saw some of that in this Lakers-Rockets game one, um, but P.J. Tucker also held his own guarding guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis. What do we have to to look forward to with this series? Do we think we're going to see more of the same? With the Rockets, I never know. Nobody knows. <laughs> they, they could come out tonight and they could hit 23s or they could shoot very poorly and Anthony Davis could go for 40 points and just stomp them. This is the weirdest series just because of one, the Rockets, just they, nobody's ever done this before. And the Lakers are built completely differently than them. They still started JaVale McGee and played Dwight Howard minutes in that last game, even though the tallest player on the Rockets was... Covington, yeah. Yeah, he, who's five inches shorter than everybody else. It's... N- nobody knows. I would still say the Lakers are going to win just because I'm betting on talent like I did the Portland series the Lakers should win they have the guys who can be considered the best players in the world but my gosh the PJ Tucker what Covington's been doing in these playoffs Eric Gordon was showing some spice the other night he's looking like he's back a little bit Westbrook when he wasn't getting when LeBron wasn't just (laughs) having a personal vendetta (laughs) against him was good and Harden went out and played like an MVP you're not going to beat the Rockets when they have when they're clicking, and the Lakers weren't even close to their A game last night, so they didn't have a chance. That's something that I feel like we haven't seen a lot of from this Lakers team. We haven't seen them locked in for more than one game at a time. I feel like when when we were playing seeding games, they didn't really have any worry about losing their spot. 
as far as getting the number one seed, we didn't see a ton of tenacity in the seeding games. In the first round, we saw glimpses of it, but we haven't seen consistency, I feel like, from this Lakers team. What do you think it's going to take to see two, three games in a row of Anthony Davis being the best center in the league and LeBron James being the best player in the league? I think it comes down to the players around them. LeBron and Davis are going to, they're going to get their numbers. We saw this in the Portland series after game one. LeBron was kind of passive in that game one. He had a kind of astounding triple-double, but he wasn't, wasn't aggressive trying to score the basketball. And we expected him to up that as the series went on. He didn't do it in game two because Anthony Davis decided to go out and be by far the best player. But he did it those next games. But the Lakers shot the ball better than they did in game one of that series. Danny Green would hit shots. Caldwell Pope hit a bunch of shots. They didn't do that in game one of this Rocket series either. And it just becomes a lot easier for your best guys to do what they do best, which is get to the rim when the floor is spaced. LeBron and Davis are going to do what they do because they're so good, but the Lakers are going to win this series and maybe the next two series because their other players do what they're supposed to do, which is hit shots and play defense. Last series, we have the Los Angeles Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. Game one, I think we just saw a flat-out exhausted Denver team. They got steamrolled real hard by this Clippers team. Game two came out a lot stronger, looked a lot better rested. I'm interested to see if we think this is going to go seven, if Jamal Murray is going to be the the breakout star from this bubble. He has looked fantastic and uh, is is a real scoring threat that was not on a lot of people's radars six weeks ago. I didn't give Denver a chance coming into this series. I disrespect them more than I should. <laughs> I'm aware of that, but I really don't think they are close to the Clippers. And Game 2 was a surprise to me. Well, in Game 2, we also saw a Kawhi Leonard who, for the first time, didn't score... 20 points in a series, 15 points in a series uh, game. And so I think we saw some flatness out of Kawhi, and that came to uh, to be the ultimate detriment to that Clippers game too. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. We forget that during the regular season, better teams lose games a lot just because a player has an off night. It happens, and it can happen in the playoffs too. And that looks like that's what happened to Kawhi. Right before we started today, I saw that Jokic is questionable for Game 3 with a wrist sprain, which if that's if he's out, that hurts the Nuggets even more. They're low chances. Yeah, who's going to be throwing spirals down the court to catch those touchdown passes at the end of the, the, end of the field? Ball, ball. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, COVID, this week. I had a whole thing planned. It was going to be this long kind of philosophy kind of thing about how we view 
the NBA playoffs and life in general in a lot of ways. And then Goran Dragic shot a wedgie at the end of regulation of the game today against the Bucks, and I decided, eh, let's just have fun this week. And top, Butler tries to go back door. Dragic puts it up. <laughs> Wedgie. The NBA, this billion, multi-billion dollar league with high-level basketball and lots of professionalism and quality all the way down to the league that's been dealing with a bubble and Black Lives Matter and work stoppages over police violence, all these things. And yet we still call when the ball gets wedged between the rim and the backboard, a wedgie. <laughs> wedgie. We're still six-year-old boys reading Captain Underpants, enjoying being able to say the word wedgie during a basketball game. <laughs> wedgie. And it's just nice. It's just nice to know that everybody likes to be stupid and silly during these really important games that really are just games that carry a lot of weight on top of them. So thanks, COVID, for wedgies. <laughs> Wedgie. And now we're at last possession. It's easy to lose sight of the humanity in professional sports. These athletes we watch through our screens, who seem to be invincible, don't often feel like they live on the same planet as you and me. They're impossibly tall, unbelievably strong, and their skills are unlike anything I possess. And on top of all of that, these players are 26 years old on average. One reminder of these players' humanity showed up for me last Tuesday when I saw a clip of the Toronto Raptors' Fred Van Vliet seeing his kids for the first time since leaving for the bubble in July. Daddy! <laughs> Daddy! <laughs> 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 Who's that? Daddy. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> Starting with the second round of the playoffs, players were allowed to invite guests into the bubble. Of course, it's easy to poke fun at the fellas who may be leaning into this whole I'm in my mid-twenties at the prime of my life mentality. That mindset exists everywhere, not just in wealthy athlete worlds. For guys like Van Vliet and Giannis, they're probably thinking the same thing. I'm in my mid-twenties at the prime of my life. And now I've got my family here to celebrate with me. And to you broadcast media executives who most certainly listen to this show, take note. More baby content. Basket Bubble is hosted by Matthew Moore. That's me and Bodie. That's him. Thank you, Bodie. You're welcome, Matthew. Anytime. Our theme song is by Bad Snacks. Join us next week as we keep working our way through the remainder of round two of these playoffs. Stay safe out there, Bubbletonians. We'll see you next week. 